אנחנו רואים בעינינו כמה וכמה פעמים שכבר ליבו של האדם יודע חייבו עשוי ונזעמס אצלו מה שרואי לו להצול את נפשוי ומה שחייבו עליו מצד בוירוי ואף פי כן יניחהו רמחל סייס Behold, we see with our eyes, meaning it's, 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 it's evident, it's obvious. Many times, the heart of a person, meaning a person's understanding, his grasp experientially, he has a clear sense of where he needs to go. And what he needs to do. Venis Amaitz Etzloi Mashiroi Loi Laatzalis Nafshoi. What needs to be done to get himself out of the predicament he is in in terms of his own bad middas, his direction in life, all the negative things. He knows he knows what he has to do. And he knows where he's falling short in his connecting to the Creator. So you get the person that has no problem of awareness. In terms of awareness, he has a full cognizance of what he needs to do. Now, what I would say is when a person has a full cognizance of what he needs to do, well, then he'll just get up and do it. And nevertheless, even though he knows exactly what he should do, he doesn't do it. But he knows what to do. He knows it's, it's very clear, it's obvious. To him. It's not because he doesn't understand that this obligation rests upon him for no other reason. Simple. Because the heaviness of atlus, of what we've translated as the suppression of a person's latent potential, miskaberes alav, overcomes him, v'hare hu oimer, and he says, oichel kima, let me have a little bit to eat, not now, I'll push it off, let me just have a snack, oishan kima, let me have a bit of a, just need a small nap, I can't, I can't focus, because I'm too tired, oikosha says me basia, you know, it's, 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 I can't go out now, I've just come home. I've taken off my coat, I'm not going to put it on again. The sun is powerful outside, it's boiling hot. Or, well, it's freezing cold and there's rain. Or other any kind of um, rationalizations and excuses that we make up to avoid doing what we know we should. And what happens in the interim? The Torah remains resting. And service Hashem becomes empty, vacant, annulled. And as a result, a person loses the thing that he is put into this world for, which is a connection to his Creator. That's what Shlomo says 
Through laziness, the roof caves in, and because of a lack of thriftiness, the house starts to leak. If you ask the mouth of the Atzel, the person that's afflicted with this deep compression of self, he'll start to legitimize absolutely his entire behavior and start to give it a philosophical background. No, you don't understand. I'm not that kind of person. You don't understand. And come up with a whole theory of why he's behaving the way he's behaving. Logical reasoning, proof from the scriptures, which all indicate to him, if he died to Meshubeshes, according to his slightly distorted vision, to reduce his obligation and to leave him in the rest of his inactivity. And he doesn't realize that these arguments and understandings aren't being born from his clear reasoning. They come from a much deeper and more destructive place, which is his atzlus. When atzlus is in charge of us, it biases our mind to these thoughts and these rationalizations. And a person becomes resistant to hearing criticism or guidance from others. As Shlomo calls out and says, a lazy person who is not fulfilling his potential is wiser in his own eyes than seven great men. That his atzlus doesn't even permit him to even think about what those that try to steer him say, those who try to guide him. He looks upon everyone else as misled and foolish and he alone is wise. And you should know, Teda. I'll give you an idea. What we're speaking about now are first steps, the first steps of growth. What are the first steps of growth? So what we've been discussing is that the first steps of growth involve casting off from us the dust of Atlas. The deep, powerful pressure of the ultimate material nature of our bodies <coughs> which is heavy it hates labor, work enthusiasm and vitality and for a person to take his first step into a spiritual world he has to break through that crust and until he breaks through that crust as long as the power of Atlas is over him so he remains in his internal spiritual being deeply suppressed, deeply sad, deeply unfulfilled. Because the power of his potential, he realizes on a certain level, is not coming into fruition. Now if you want to know 
which side of this you're on. So I have a way of evaluating it, says Ramchal. Shekul kula tzricha bedika. Whenever you do something which relaxes your obligation and your endeavor, it limits what you need to do. It needs to be thoroughly checked. The assumption is, if it's easy, it's probably wrong. Could be, could be that this, in this particular situation, in this scenario, it's worthwhile holding back. The chances are, the chances are it's coming from the wrong place. Therefore, when you see something which is coming to lighten your burden, the chances are it ain't so healthy. And if you do it careful, thinking through, consulting others, and it comes out that actually it's the right thing to do, then for sure it's good. But the assumption is, when there's a lightening of the load, it's coming there as a force of the of Atlus. Klaloi shel dover. I'm going to sum it up, says the Ramchal. Chizuk Godoil Tsorich Haadam is Chazek. We have to be extremely powerful. Chizuk Godoil, a great strength. Tsorich is needed for a man to strengthen himself. Ulehisgaber and to overcome himself. Bezrizus with enthusiasm, with zeal, la'asoyz ha-mitzvayz, ba'ashlichoy me'olov, by casting from off him, k'yved ho'atzlo ha-makeves, al-yodoy, the weight, the pressure, the lethargy of atzlus, which is stopping us from realizing our potential. V'tir sh'amalochim nishtabchu b'midah toy v'azoyz, the angels were praised for this. So the Melachim, these Melachim are the conduits of spiritual energy. They don't mess around. They just go direct. So they were praised at having this attribute because they have nothing to interfere. But we are men. We are not angels. We can't approximate the level of that holy being. However, as close as you can come to it, you should go for it. Being quick, and I haven't dallied, I haven't delayed to God your mitzvahs. Go back to the beginning of Zrizos where he said that just like a person requires to be extremely on top of things in order that he doesn't get distorted and fall into the traps of doing something which is harmful and has no long-term existence. So to a person who requires the same 
wakefulness, that same alertness in order to grab onto mitzvahs. So the point of that we're discussing, we were speaking about the, the Ramchal, but we're speaking about something more fundamental. It's the issue that Yochanan raised. Yochanan, there are a couple of, uh, those of you who missed yesterday's shir, there are a couple of frustrated people in yesterday's shir. Austin was deeply frustrated, and Yochanan was even more frustrated. And the reason for their frustration was different. Uh, the reason for Yochanan's frustration was that there's a lot of counter um, confusing and contradictory messages that are broadcast by the rabbis advocating growth. On the one hand, there's this call to, to, to grow and to, and to overcome the obstacles which stand in your way, to make commitments, to be serious about your, what you're doing here, to grow to spiritual greatness, to ask yourself, when are you going to be great spiritually? And on the other hand, there's a voice of the rabbi that the minute you're trying to do anything which slightly deviates from the norm, they say, whoa, slow down, calm down, don't act within your realm, don't go wild, be, be, be rational. So he's very confused and he says, well, just tell me the way to go. The path of growth, which is it? That's, that's, that's uh, Jochenen's confusion. Um, Austin's confusion is something that is left for another time. We can, no, I'm serious, we can speak about it. So the question is like this. the Ramchal, and he paints the picture pretty, pretty, pretty clearly, that if we want to reach spiritual heights, it's probably not going to happen the way that we're presently living our lives. Because our Judaism is a lethargic Judaism. Our Judaism is a Judaism where we um, have exponential potential within our daily life which is obstructed by all these barriers. So Ramchal calls him Atzlus, which is quite interesting. It's quite a, quite a fascinating presentation of obstructions. The way we'd refer to them would be uh, different, no? The obstacles of growth. Why, why isn't everyone here 20 minutes before davening learning to build up the excitement they can have for tefillah? Surely that will enhance your tefillah immeasurably. Why isn't anyone staying here till 12 o'clock at night? Because they can't, they haven't managed to plumb the depths of the sugya and they just can't let go of it. Where's, where's, the, where's, the, where's, no, where's the continuity? This is something, where's the continuity? So I think this is what we began discussing, discussing yesterday. And just to recap what happened yesterday, it was, it, was an interesting, it was an interesting experience for us all. I read an article which I had written about 15 years ago describing the tremendous danger of the process of becoming from. That in that process, it's enormously easy to lose your sense of self and to become estranged from the person you know. And not more, more so, this kind of loss of self is sometimes not even tacitly, actively encouraged by the rabbis, by them decrying the evils of the secular world that happens to have made up who you were as a person when you grew up and then by implication you've just destroyed half the person's 80% of the person just with one click of the finger so I present that 
And then what followed was a discussion. And in the discussion, a few other things came out. It almost the discussion went backwards. Because when when the Balchuva movement and the Shivas, Balchuva Shivas, in the times of of my growth, they were the biggest problem was people burning out and losing touch with who they are. And in the course of the discussion that followed, the observation was made that in today's world, the biggest problem are people not really getting to the point where they actually even care. Burnout is not even on the radar. Because burnout, burnout is when a person gets so absolutely actively involved that he, he doesn't know how to balance himself and he loses measured and he makes irrational decisions and he tries to stay up every night at one o'clock and then he crashes and he tries to have a night but he can't maintain it. He does all these huge spiritual attempts at greatness and they all fall flat. That used to be the problem in the Yeshivish world, in the Balchiva world. I don't see that as being an issue <laughs> anymore. Now the issue is will a person actually come to Seder for five days solid? Average person misses once or twice a week. And this is in a place where people are taking off time to devote themselves to learning. Will a person really kind of invest himself in his learning and will he stay past 10 o'clock at night, 10.30 at night? Will a person really put his effort into, into, into davening? Will a person... Those things seem to have been, become not only non-issues, they just, they just don't exist. What? Sorry? What? Why? Why? So, so now, this is the question. The question is a why. So we just read Ramchal, and you could say, Atzlus. You could say Atzlus. You could say that this barrier of the suppression of self has accumulated. And it's been assisted by the things which increase Atzlus. The whole world has become a less active world. And it's becoming less active by the second Previously, any small endeavor required a lot of work, and then less work, and now no work. What I mean is as follows. Previously, to write a letter was, in, was something which took time. You had to buy paper, have a pen, write it, put it in an envelope, find a stamp, go to a post box, post it. So therefore, a person's daily life, more activity was part and parcel of living. Now to write a letter, you don't even address it. You just simply click on your phone and you type it in the shortest form. Because when you're writing a letter previously, you would never write an unaddressed letter. You'd never just write a letter saying, um, can you get back to me? You'd say, dear Fushkin Schoftenhoff, if you're writing to that person. I would like to, first of all, give you an... It was a guns and ASIC. And then you had to wait for them to get the letter, and then they had to wait for it to come back. So our entire life has been assaulted by what the Ramchal would call the Magdilaya Atzlo, the things which create a suppression of self. And we deep, 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 we steeped in it. We deeply steeped in it. When I was in Yeshiva, Yonison, there was no notion, as I said to the guys yesterday, that after night Seder you'd catch a movie that you wanted to watch. If you do that, do you know what that does to you? Good morning the next day. Put your mind in a completely different place. You're trying to live simultaneously in two worlds that are not supportive of one another.
you know, you wake up, Mysterious Nefesh is not waking up for nights, it's waking up to watch the national finals of pick your game of people dressed up in silly uniforms chasing after, generally it's an inflated something or other. Sometimes it's not, in the case of baseball. But it's a little bit silly, isn't it? But they'll be most nefesh for that. They'll wake up early and they'll get, they'll get turned on by that. They will give them heels. And then you say, well, would you like to come to Shachris at 7.30? And they say, wow, uh, 7.30, it's a ridiculous time in the morning. It gets up at that time. So what's happened is, it's, it's, it's a deep, deep tragedy. Do you feel that humanity is being buried underneath technology? Just buried. People are becoming non-human beings. So I was presenting this, to a, an, uh, this idea to a group of, of um, non-religious Jews. And one of them responded to me and he said, well, what's wrong with that? In fact, he said, there's a social theorist that presents technology as a new state of evolution. That means people previously in the evolutionary theory were monkeys, then they became human beings, and now they're becoming computers. Because previously, uh, the human form couldn't speak telephonically across the world, and now the human form can, provided you put a cell phone next to his ear. And previously, the human form couldn't compute huge, huge mathematical problems, and now you can, you just have to have a calculator in his hands. And previously, the human person couldn't navigate in any other place, and now you have a GPS. So, like, here's presenting to me as the next stage of human development. And I said, that's great. It's just, well, what happens on Shabbos? <laughs> All of a sudden, you have to regress to being an ape. <laughs> Which means that's not called evolution. That's called destruction. That's called the loss of humanity. I was presenting it as like a terrifying thought, and they were embracing it as what a wonderful thing. So that means that the level of burial of self has become so accepted that we don't even recognize it anymore. We identify with the state of death as a state of life. So where'd you begin? Where'd you begin? Where'd you start? What type of shovel do you need to get through that massive, massive layer of dirt? Prayer pass. But the argument that all of that technology frees up your time to do other things... Okay. There, there is an argument, and I think if a person, if a person um, could do it, that would be amazing. But let's look at what 99.9% of people do with it. Right? So I'm, I'm saying technology, you're right, is not intrinsically bad. It's incredible if you can utilize it for the right reasons. <laughs> but, but, again, remember, the things which limit effort generally the natural every time you lessen your effort in a given objective check to make sure it's right should I use a calculator? do you know, do you know I think from a, a cognitive pro, from a cognitive, cognitive perspective forget about spirituality from a cognitive perspective what is happening to brains? When you lose, when you rely heavily on a GPS, do you know that does to your sense of spatial orientation? Which is a fundamental sense, which is not only used to negotiate where to go, it's used to negotiate how do I navigate through close and far relationships, and how do I find close and far ideas, but the, clo- the notion of close and far is not something which is accessible to me, because I just put in coordinates and I come out and I just follow blindly. 
The fact that I don't know the times tables in my head. Do you know that what that does to my notion of mathematical space? Do you know how my brain doesn't work as well? The fact that I can't spell because it's a spell check. Do you know what it does to my brain? It's destroying the brain. So people are, are, are now if it would stop there, that would be great. But then there's social media networks which then destroy the emotions because of disinhibition. Which means that when I'm relating to you face to face, there's a dynamic. We feel each other. There's a kind of communication that's occurring on a level which is not felt through the conveyance of the information that we exchange. And we feel that. And therefore we respond to that. And therefore we say certain things and we don't say certain things and we phrase things in certain ways. But disinhibition means that when I'm not in front of you, I'll say things that I would never say to your face. So what happens is it habituates us in relating to people only when they're in front of us. And that's why you'll go to a coffee shop and you'll see that most of the people, even when they're facing others, are on their phones. Because that's a relationship which makes it a lot easier for me. So my relationship abilities are every, every part of my being. My physical capacity, my emotional capacity, and my intellectual capacity is being destroyed. So what would, what would be the right thing to do? Do you know what the right thing would do? The right thing would take the center as a shiva, move to Be'er Sheva, and make sure that there's no, no Wi-Fi, nothing. And there's no computers, and there's no networks, and you put them there, not forever, not forever, for a period of time, and then maybe we'll be able to touch on ourselves. Just to see, just have a glimpse of who we are. I didn't bring my computer to yeshiva. Wise decision. And I found with people that people that don't bring their, bring their computer, there's a the guy who brought his computer, he didn't bring his computer to yeshiva, and then he got it. And he said he saw an immediate drop in everything he was doing. Andrew? The question I have is what you talk about how old school issues versus today's issues. What happens if someone starts yeshiva in the new school issue and then moves towards the old school issue? So there are, there are individuals that still have potential burnout problems. I'm not saying there aren't. They do pop up. In other words, that's not the theme of the Baal movement anymore. But there are individuals who still manage to go insane, which we have to thank <laughs> them for. I think that's very good. So those people, it's not that hard to calm them down. But then again, th- th- that's I think the point that Jürgen picked up on, is there are amongst all this, the real people who kind of sincerely striving and they, they're making major 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 growth and then the frustration is you're right when am I going to fall, when am I going to slow, when am I going to fast but there's a stage where we just have to get the access off we have to dig out the dirt Adam? Is there a more, of a, a more modern way to check like the Ram Khal was saying to make sure that what you're doing is for the right intention I feel like the way you're explaining it um, and the way people are today is that the the atzlus is to such a point where they won't even be able to motivate themselves to check to see if what they're doing it has actual benefit for them or if it's really hurting them. <clears throat> I think I don't know. Good question. That's a great question. Austin. Is there a balanced lifestyle with career and future that you would say entails real growth, or is it only when somebody's willing to totally disconnect from the outside world that you label it real growth and effort? Okay. So, uh, 
Reb Shimson Rafael Hirsch in Germany in the uh, 1800s, he, he wanted to outlaw Jews from going to shul. He's a rabbi, leader, of the, con- leader of, the, of the generation, and he wanted to make sure that people who subscribed to Orthodox Judaism would not attend shul. <coughs> so that's quite a radical move to make for someone who's from. What was behind it? Well, behind it was that the reform movement shifted the emphasis of Jewish practice to the synagogue. And Reb Shimshel for her saw what's going to happen is people are going to look upon Judaism as a religion. They're going to think Judaism is a religion because they think you need to join in the shuls. He says, we'll close all the shuls, no one will go to shul, and Judaism will survive perfectly. Because you can be a Jew and not ever go to shul. Because Judaism is not played out in the synagogue alone. That's one of the expressions. Judaism is played up in the way I wake up in the morning, the way I talk, the way I work, the way I'm a doctor, the way I'm a lawyer, the way I'm a financial analyst. That's where Judaism is played out. Judaism is not designed to be, to be lived out in a monastery. It's designed for the world. So you're absolutely right and you're absolutely wrong. You're absolutely right that you can't be connected to the world and live a Jewish life. And you're absolutely right that you can only live a Jewish life when you're connected to the world. So what I mean? <laughs> okay, meaning, meaning as follows. Meaning as follows. The question is how we respond to life. If we respond to life, I go get a job, and I'm getting a job. Well, because you know I have to make a living and I have to support my family, and that's why I get a job. So then you disconnect it from the Jewish source. If, however, you say, "Listen, why do you have to get a job?" I mean. Has Hashem got a shortage of cash in his account? I think he's pretty, pretty okay. I think he's okay. So he can give me the money. Okay, so why isn't he giving me the money? Well, obviously he wants me to go out and work. Well, why does he want me to go out and work? Well, I'll tell you why he wants me to go out and work. Because when a person goes out of work, he discovers parts of himself which otherwise would be completely untapped. He's able to tap into a sense of integrity, honesty, He's able to show that in the working place, which is a very counterculture to the one that he professes to ascribe to, he can stand his own. He's able to face the tests of day-to-day life and come out strong. He could never do that if he was sitting on his chair in a base mattress. So James said, listen, I'm not going to give you the money because I need those powers to come out of you. So the same two people both go to the work in the morning. One goes to the work because he's living his connection to Hashem. He's living to her. Another one goes to make a living. One is disconnected. One is connected. If you look at them when they sing by their desk, they're doing exactly the same thing. But it's a radically different place to be. Because Judaism is not a religion. It's a state of being. It's how we process everything. Not just how we process some things. It's how we process everything. Everything. Gary J. So then, we're in Yeshiva now. So we're not... Uh if you'd spend your if you'd spend the rest of your life in Shiva Gary J, I mean I would take that stick and beat you until you left. At what point do you cross over or cross back? At what point do you cross back? At the point when each person there's there's enormous variables which are which are in play, right? One of the variables is is your one of the ways that Shem guides you in the direction that you're going is by creating the scenario that you have in your life. 
Financial shortage doesn't mean that I've got no money. It means Hashem says, now it's time for you to leave. Sometimes it's a level of learning. Sometimes it's a marriage partner. Sometimes it's... depends on the person. But there are certain people that we should take a stick and beat them. And beat them to do the base measures. Beat them with a stick. Does that, does that, somehow I don't feel that struck well with you, Andrew. No. Okay, why not? Because what if Gary J has potential to become the next Galador? What if Gary J like, could keep learning, keep learning, keep learning? Okay, type 1 Belchiva. He's not, he's not, he's not, he's not, he's not. <laughs> Gary J, Gary J, forgive me for saying so. Gary like J. I think he's a good guy. I think he's, he's amazing. I think he's got fantastic potential. He's not becoming the next Galador, okay? Or what about Tamaham Jastam? Uh, possibly. He can grind his learning. When I, when I say this, Andrew, if you understand, I don't hold that I could become the next God either. But I think that's a, that's, that's a completely distorted vision of what Judaism requires of a person. Judaism never requires a person to become a generic rebel Yoshev or a generic rebel Anib Shimon. Judaism requires of me to use my situation, meaning the kalium that I have, the instruments I have, and use every single one of them for voice Hashem. So if you say to me, can Gary J become the next Gary J? Oh, yes. It probably won't be Gary. It'll be... Yosef. Can you become Yosef? Yosef. Yay. That he could. That's not an easy thing to do. That's not an easy thing to do. That's going to require a lot of work. Because do you know where the Yosef lies inside there? Do you know where the Yosef lies... You don't know, I know. doesn't mean he's going to be learning for the next 20 years. Being the next Joseph Yeh doesn't mean learning for the next 20 years for him. Yes? Being the next Rebbe Yashiv may have, but you're not the next Rebbe Yashiv. Andrew, the only person you have to be is yourself. Don't try to be someone else. Don't try to be me. <laughs> oh, thank God I won't try. There goes that porn costume. <laughs> 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 Clear? No, because I feel like if the biggest myth is to learn Torah, why if I want to learn Torah all day and I don't want to go to work and I have the financial Because you're lazy. <laughs> I have the financial capability to learn Torah all day. That's wonderful, but it doesn't mean that's the right thing for you to do. Because it could be that you're the type of person that needs to go out and work to f- refine your midas. Andrew, look, I'm not beating you out of the base measures yet. I'm just providing you with areas of thinking. Areas of thinking. You know, the, the Torah is the greatest message, the best thing we can do with our time. No question, no question, no question. It doesn't therefore mean that every single person has to be doing it the whole time. It's a complicated point. Understand where you're coming from. I'm not trying to denigrate the value of the study of Torah. I think it's the highest and most supreme value. But, on the other hand, that doesn't mean that everyone should be in full-time learning. Yeah, not everyone can handle that. Because if you've got a person who's talented and you can handle it, so then you're 100% right. Then you're 100%. That could be an option. But then remember, the Rambam speaks out exceptionally harshly about those people that learn on the back of others because it's an easy option. And he speaks out incredibly powerful in favor of those that rely on others because they're purely motivated to study the Torah. So he says both. Depends which camp you are, which one Rambam you quote. There's a Lakewood Rambam, and then there's the... <laughs> the Lakewood Rambam says that everyone... I'll read it to you, and you'll see. Everyone, everyone, any person can not worry about a single thing, devote his life to Torah study, and he'll be provided for. And the other Rambam says, if you take money for the study of Torah, you're dis- desecrating Hashem's name, and it's disgusting, and it's vile, and you're horrible. 
But the, both the Rambam say, but, so the one Rambam says, should go and spend your life learning. And the Rambam says, if you spend your life learning, you're a chil Hashem. So a person could be either or. Two people learning. One could be the greatest chil Hashem, one could be the greatest chil Hashem. So what you're saying is, depends on the person. Some people can pull it off, and some people, Absolutely. their makeup isn't made for that. Yeah. Big questions. Just food for thought, Rabbi Say. Thank you for your attention.